What's up, podcast world? Chad back at you. Another episode of the Foul Eye Podcast brought to you by our friends at the one and only Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. Carry your blade with you, your axe with you, your saw with you, your fillet knife with you, folding knife, straight blades. They make so many different awesome, awesome knives and saws and shears and hatchets. We build boat blinds with them. We build duck blinds with them. We make sure that we are concealed from all of the animals that we're trying to pursue. Our goal is to get them as close as we possibly can. We want to stay hidden. We depend on Gerber as well to take that meat off of the bone, whether it's an elk, a turkey, a duck, or a goose. We love to live off the land and eat wild. So thank you, Gerber Gear, for believing in us. We got an awesome episode of the Foul Eye Podcast coming your way today with one of the best meat duck callers in the world. He's a member of Team Jargon. His name is Bobby Heim from the great state of Maryland, the the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay. Bobby, how are you, buddy? Good. How about you? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for being here. What's shaking? No, not much. You're getting ready for the season. That's about it. Do your hands currently have a bunch of cuts all over them from cleaning crabs till you can't eat anymore? Because you're very lucky to live in that part of the country and get to eat crabs like they're going out of style. But they are a lot of work. And my hands usually feel like I just got diced up with a, you know, like a really sharp scalpel after I eat them. Your, your hands experience this quite a bit or are you so used to it you don't even notice? Well, I'm a commercial waterman, so I actually, that's what I do during the summer. And then when I'm not guiding during the winter is I go catch crabs and sell them for a living, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, they get pretty cut up, whether it's calling them while I'm catching them or bringing them home. So me and my wife can have a couple dozen for dinner. But, yeah, that's that's a pretty regular meal. And, yeah, the the hands take a beating from it, that's for sure. What kind of crabs are they? Blues? Dungeness? What are they out there? Yeah, they're just blue crabs. Now, is it? Do you like that the best? Would you, if you were up the coast a little bit in Maine, would you prefer uh, an Alaskan king crab or would you prefer the blue as far as the taste of the meat is? 100% blue crab. They got a, they got a super sweet taste that you just, that you can't mimic when any other crab or, you know, it's kind of like on a level of its own, in my opinion. And are you dipping every bite into butter or do you refuse to dip it because the meat's so perfect? Um, it depends if it's, uh, some good, um, tail fin or some good, uh, uh, front claw, uh, meat, then yeah, I'll usually dip it in some butter and some J.O. seasoning or Old Bay or whatever. But if it's the rest, if it's an inside of crab, that stuff is already sweet enough. I really don't need much of anything on it. So if you had a friend in Nevada that wanted some of these, would you possibly be able to get some, would they be shipped live? I assume they would. Could you tape, oh, tape together a cooler and overnight me some crabs if I bartered with you or begged you? I could try and hook you up with something like that. Yeah, I don't, uh, whatever you do, don't try and buy them in the middle of July or August because they don't last very long. We, uh, we have a lot of dead loss uh, that time of year because it's so hot, but early spring or late fall, yeah, I can try and get you hooked up and they should be alive by the time I get there. So when is the best time for me to text you and ask you to do this for me? Would it be like right now? No, right now I'm oystering uh, since there was no Canada this year. So I haven't crabbed since first of October, but um, usually in the springtime, we got some pretty decent sized crabs and they're just coming out of mud. So they're still fat and everything. So usually about May or so would be a good time of the year for it. May, huh? Yeah. We, we usually start about April 1st. That's, start of season and then may it gets pretty good and then it's 
it just gets hotter from then on. So you get a lot of dead loss in your catch. And um, do you do you personally eat crab every night of the week, or can you get tired of it? Uh, I get tired of it. I try and I used to a lot um, when I first started when I was a teenager because it was you know you always had an extra piece of a basket or something left over and you always took it home and my dad liked it, my brother liked it. Now that I'm here living with my wife, we kind of try and pace ourselves with them throughout the year. You know, once every couple weeks or so, and really it depends on what I have left over from that day. You know, whatever I catch. So. So you have a fascination with the ocean. You're on a crab boat. You're shucking oysters. This is the off season, but is your true number one passion in life besides your family and your wife, obviously, um, that little thing you hold in your hand, that that death whistle, that duck call, mimicking mallard hen ducks, um, becoming a duck, so proficient that you are – you were number two in the world last year in Maryland in the world live duck. You sounded amazing. Cody Nickham ended up winning the contest. He's another amazing contest. He was blowing a Joe Lairs call, a JJ Lairs that Brent Crow got him hooked up with. You were blowing a jargon smallmouth out of Arkansas. Is this something that you just love it so much that you can't put it down? Or is it like crab to where when you were a teenager first starting out, you had it in your truck, you had it in your garage, had it in the shower probably, you're always practicing. To be as good as you are, it seems to me you would have to practice always. Or have you gotten kind of tired of the duck call now? Or are you still trying to innovate and come up with the most ducky, nasally sound you possibly can? So for me, crabbing and oystering is just a way to stay in the outdoors if i could guide and and hunt and blow my duck call 365 days a year that's exactly what i'd be doing i mean even here during the maryland season i'm hunting twice a day every day if i kill my limit in the morning i try to take my dad and my brother and all of my friends out in the evening and, and you know get their limit and everything i just it's something i love and yes the duck call is always with me i always got one in my pocket started out when i was i think it was 06 i was about nine years old when i started uh competing in a few contests and it was just i got kicked out of house more than i can explain because it was just it was i was on it all the time and my mom was trying to work and it was it was bad she'd send me down the road and make me go blow the goose call down out in the field somewhere and just whatever it was away from her because it was just always always in my hands when you say goose call is it were you were you on the Eastern Shoreman by the the man, the great Sean Mann? Were you uh, using one of his calls and trying to mimic Josh Neuweiler? I wasn't on a Shoreman. However, I, I started off on a Sean Mann shorty and a Sean Mann big water duck call were my two go-tos when I was not between 9 and 14 years old when I first started contest calling. And how – do you rate yourself as a Canada goose caller of the short read variety? Are you as proficient as you are on a, a meat duck call? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I, I'd say I started out as a goose caller. Actually, I really honestly didn't get good at duck call until this past year or two. Um, I always wanted to be really good at it, but my feeds, you know, it was like the machine gun feed is what we call it. You know, it wasn't like the, you know, it was like a, you know, and then that's all I knew how to do because earlier in my life, all we had was Main Street contest. So that's the only feed that you knew how to do, really. Um, but, yeah, the past four years, I've uh, placed top three in, in the World Goose. Um, three out of the past four years. And last year, I ended up coming in second in Live Goose. So, yeah, I'd say I'm just as proficient on the Goose call as I am a Duck call. Say that last part again in your contest. What did you place in the last couple of years in the World Goose? In the last four years, 
well, th- this would have been year number four. I'm sorry. It would have been last year I placed second in the live goose in the world. And then a few years before that, I placed third in the world goose. So and I've what, been top three in the past three years. On what call now? Uh, Bay Country. Sure thing. And who My builds it? John Taylor. John Taylor? Yeah, out of Quantico. They're beautiful calls. Oh, he's and he, I, he, you can't find a better man to be honest with you. I mean, we joke around. I call him Pops all the time because he says I'm just like him. He, he could kill geese 365 days a year too, and it's it's hilarious. But does he, he's does he guy. smoke cigarettes like they're going out of style? Oh yeah, yep. That's and crazy. I don't know how he does it, but it's he's still got lungs of a champion, so it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's like the the late great Tim Ground. Sometimes you'd look down the blind when I'd be hunting with him. There'd be nicotine cigarette smoke coming out of the end of the goose call because he'd drop his cigarette and grab his goose call when we'd see some geese. <laughs> yeah, there's some guys like that that just smoke and they got a cigarette in one hand while they're holding the call and they're just letting her eat on that call and it's 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 pretty. I I give it to them because I know if I were to ever try a cigarette, it would just I'd lock up and start coughing all over the place. So. Do you think it's fair to say when it comes to the Canada goose calling and the duck calling um, that the vocabulary of a Canada goose is way more extensive than a duck call? Now, being a competition duck caller, whether it's Main Street or meat and live duck, um, it's hard because you got to sound like a duck. And a lot of guys can get the cadence right. They can get the the speed right they can get the the routine down the comebacks and the greeters and the the chatter and the quacks and everything that goes into what the judges are looking for but when it comes down to winning and being in the top five consistently goose or duck you have to sound like the real thing okay so what would you say is harder to mimic a live hen mallard or a live Canada goose with the extensive vocabulary. Cause a, a, a Mallard's vocabulary, in my opinion, Bobby Heim is very small, very, very short. I mean, you don't have to have a long-term memory to remember the whole vocabulary of a Mallard duck. Now I'm not saying that you can't mix a bunch of different voices in there, but as far as the vocabulary, doesn't it seem like the goose is way more extensive and harder to master? Yeah. So, um, it's actually kind of funny because between me, Kyle Jones, Corey Nickham, um, Mike Benjamin, John Balls, and some of the, you know, Teddy and all, all of us on the East Coast, we all have a group chat on Snapchat that's called Duck Calling Zizi. And that started out because us goose callers started using or started competing in these duck calling contests. We started being good at it. And we used to, you know, just make, and it's, I actually start off with John Walls when he won the World Live Duck, not last year, the year before. Um, he was like, Man, Duck Collins, he come backstage like, man, Duck Collins easy. And and we say that because if you're proficient on a Canada goose call, in all honesty, you're pretty much going to be just as proficient or even more proficient on a Mallard Duck call just because you have that vocabulary. You have that um, different air presentation that it takes to get different notes and all that kind of stuff. And you can put it into a Mallard Duck call and just sky's the limit at that point. That's how it was for me. Um I was very good on a goose call starting out. I took a hiatus from contest calling for, I think, 10 years. Come back into it in 2016, and I did good in Worlds. And I said, man, I really want to try and do this uh, duck calling thing. I worked on it for a couple of years, and finally it's starting to click now. But I definitely took all my air presentation and um, all that kind of stuff and put it into my duck call, and it's paying off in big ways. 
So when you say air presentation, how do you explain that? Are you a good coach? Can you instruct? Because some guys that are awesome at it don't know how to tell me how they do it. They don't know how, same with baseball, you could hit the ball a mile, but you don't know how to teach the swing. There's good coaching, right? Can you tell me what you're doing as far as air presentation goes? Let's let's keep this on the road. Let's keep going down the road of duck calling because I really want to get people to listen to some of your routines. We're going to actually have some of your live duck routines on this podcast where we're going to talk about them and then we're going to incorporate actual routine footage of the worlds and maybe some of the the, the contests that you've won um, into this podcast. So let's keep down, let's go down this road of duck calling first. What is it, Bobby Heim? What is the air presentation? Is it, I did an instructional video yesterday with John David Stanley's dad, Dave Stanley. You know how good of a caller John David is. His dad's very right. proficient. What? We talked about how you don't blow a duck call. You don't blow into a duck call. You operate it and you present your air. So talk to me a little bit about air presentation. So for me, um, I'm not really that great at teaching. In fact, I got a boy who's who I'm giving lessons to about once a week now. And I try and teach him, like, dude, listen, there's a thousand ways that you can put air into this duck call and make it sound the exact same way that I do. There's just so many different ways to blow a duck call. But um, for me, with the air presentation, I got either straight air or I'll call it um, like voiced air or something. And that's basically my two different um, ways of presenting air into the call is I'll do just straight air, which is just coming straight out my throat. There's no restriction to it, which is how I do like the high hand. And then there's the voiced um, air that I kind of muffle it a little bit more and put some body into it. And that's how I get someone in deeper. Um, more aggressive hands out of the duck call. Okay. So for lack of, you know, audio, when you're blowing a duck call, sometimes it cuts out these microphones on computers and laptops. And we are doing this podcast over the zoom app because of COVID, but give me to pick up your call there. What call you got a, you got a, what'd you say? You had there a live duck and a small talk. Yeah. I got a live duck and small talk. Okay. Turn the call around and let me hear what you mean by the straight voice air of getting that high duck. <laughs> See, that even broke out. Maybe try to turn away, turn the other way because it's this microphone like getting blasted, I think. Right. Try it again. <laughs> That's perfect. Do that again. This is straight air. Now it broke out again. It's crazy. Yeah, technology. Perfect. Now, now the other one is called voice air. Yeah. Okay, that was it, straight air. So voice air is going to be different in what means. So I'll just put some voice into it, and in other words, that's how I get my deep raspy hands. Is I'll put some voice into it and kind of almost make a you know make grunts into the call as I go, and it gives it a raspiness for me. I could blow a duck call a hundred times different than you or Chris or. John David or whoever, but that's just how I get the notes out of it. Okay, let me hear voice air. <laughs> One more time. This is voice. <laughs> And then the high duck or the straight air is. Yeah, basically. <laughs> 
Nope. <laughs> you're not really grunting because grunting is more grunting into a goose call is a bad thing to do. You don't grunt. That straight air is going to get you that goosey sound, but it's more like your lips tickle. All right. When you're going to a goose call. Okay. So on a duck call, it's more popping almost like you're getting that hen that raspy hen or that boss hen by popping more like and then the straight air is and you could kind of get that younger hen mallard out there on the water she sits there and just and then the the heavy air is that boss hen that right those are kind of the different ducks you're getting with that different airflow yep exactly and that's you hit the nail wrong see you can explain a lot better than i can i guess i'm one of them guys that can do it really well but it's hard for me to teach it i can tell you what i do into the back of the coal but that might not be exactly what everybody else does um so what what do you call your ducks do you have names for all of your different ducks um for me i just i i kind of go like a, i'll do like a boss hen which is you know that real bass you just pop 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 and then i'll do kind of like a like a medium hen and then i call it a high hen or um an excited hen and usually i break them down see because i could have two middle hens i can do literally four ducks four different ducks in a row and I can I can do like a false hand and kind of like a maybe a low end hand, a medium hand, and then a high hand, which would be a younger hand or whatever y'all would want to call it. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's I'm pretty basic. It's just how I am. <laughs> well, I want to see. We are going to put this full routine into this podcast, but we have. Um, we have, I want to see if we can get this, uh, let me see if I can get this. That's just your warm up. Yep. Ooh. Ooh, that's that high duck right there. Let me see if I could play that back for a second. Listen to this high duck, y'all. He's going to come out of this, this power chatter. And he's going to hit this high duck. Now, what's, what sounds simple is just it's just another duck. But you start thinking about being an athlete, of getting your feet in the right position if you know the ball's coming to you. Or what am I going to do if the ball's hit to me as a shortstop? Am I going to turn two, go across the diamond? Uh, are you going to throw me the, a pass and, you know, on the three-point line? Am I going to pull up for a shot? Or am I going to dribble it and beat this guy to the inside part of the, the key or whatever? You always got to be thinking ahead. So now as a duck caller, when you're coming out of that chatter ball behind me, and now all of a sudden you got – your throat has to transition because that throat posture right there to me is more suited for a boss hen or an older hen of but you're going and that is so 
difficult to do to get your tongue and your mouth cavity and your hand and your back pressure in the right position to do that. So listen to this. If y'all can hear this, I hope you can. This is Bobby in a warm up, but just listen to how he comes out of this power chuckle, power chatter into his high hand. I might have missed it. Or wait a minute. Listen. Like that is so much harder than you're making it sound or make or of of what you're doing on that stage. Would you agree with that? That's a tough position to get in and to hit it hard now this is also a risk because if you're going to mess up in a routine and in live duck this is a spot that a lot of mistakes are bred out of would you agree with that yes 100 that is that that i i would well i'll tell you i was more nervous about some other um notes in that routine than i was about that just because on the small talk i can lean on it so hard it doesn't ever mess up for me really because I, 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 I can lean on that note just as hard as i want and it won't break over you know it'll just stay that way it'll just get louder which is what i like why i'm blowing a small talk really um and so yeah but yeah it, that that note is extremely hard for me it was hard for me to pick up and then it's even harder for me to transition into but i do make it sound simple when i try and explain how to do it right <laughs> But it's so hard. It's like to to have the confidence to go from that that little nasally hen that you did right um, right before you hear a little nasally hen. Little bounce, nasal. You go from so hard that transition is so difficult that that's the thing that people have to understand when it comes to duck calling timing is everything hand position knowing what you're getting ready to do now you can practice that routine a hundred times but it's still a risk so when you're going in to that note to win the world duck live duck to win any live duck that you're hit you're, you're winning right now against all these great callers out there you have to be able to hit that so that's why the greatest win. That's why the greatest get the trophy and the money and the hot chick, right? That's how they do it because they are able to nail that note. It's just like Michael Jordan with the ball. Christian Leitner, whoever it is in the, you know, the, the last shot of the game, they want that ball and they they perform, right? They execute. So that note right there is one of the notes now that is becoming that that young duck that live duck that little that little young just mallard hen sitting on the water and she's just out there it's almost like she's just learning how to talk you know it's just like and it's difficult so tell me where is your tongue where's the tip of your tongue where's the middle fatty part of your tongue and then pick up the call and kind of show me what your hand position and what your wrist position is when you hit that note so my tongue when i do it i really try and squeeze the air because the, the more I squeeze the air through there and make it cleaner, more high pressured air is the easiest way to get that call to break up into that higher note. But for me, when I, when I do that note, uh, I'll do the regular duck, just like, you know, just like that. And I just, bark, 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 bark. and then when I hit that high duck, I open my hand up, but I almost press the inside of my palm up against the, the end of the barrel. 
and I'll kind of like cut the air off coming at it. It's almost the same as putting it in your sleeve. However, it's just off your hand. So it's a lot louder and a lot crisper. So I'll kind of bend my hand in a weird way and, and kind of flare my fingers like that. And that just kind of lets the air come off the inside of my hand and give it that real, you know, loud, super clean sound. Wow. I mean, that is freaking like, um, I, I just love that duck. I mean, if you're standing up against some trees or uh, on a road, you know, trying to listen for ducks, you know, in Arkansas and I go to the flooded timber and you're listening, that's my favorite duck to hear. It's just be, it's become my favorite duck. And I, and I think that it's becoming like the judges are hearing that. And I think that it, it exuberates like perfect control because to go from a, a k -k 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 your throat, let me hear that chatter just in the, just in your throat. Like you're in a, you're in more of a position right there is that chatter to do a more, an older bossy, gravelly, nasally hen, right? You're going, isn't your mouth set up and suited more at that given time right there, that specific time in your routine to hit a more nasally hen, you think? Yes. Um, especially for me, because like I said, with that kind of my, my air presentation, that kind of voicey air, that's kind of what I do into the, my feet. Talk <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, so I'm already set up for that, but for me to go from. <laughs> Turn that way, Bobby. Turn that way a little bit and do that again. But for, for me to go from like uh, my feet chocolate to a ball's hand or, or, you know, it, it is set up a lot better, but for me to go from having some voice into the call, <laughs> I mean, and, and it's just, it, it's just pushing it up through my throat, my tongue's tight to the roof of my mouth, and I'm just letting a steady stream of clean air come out of there from there. So did you get proficient with this? this mouth position and tongue position of let's say maybe like a like a train note or really delivering like a really tight stream of air into a short read can of goose call to where it's almost like a like you're pulling the air back out of it almost like your your airflow gets very precise and, and it's almost like a little vein in your arm and the blood's flowing through there that air is just squeaking through there and going in to get that high pitch it's almost like letting helium out of a balloon Yes, that's exactly where I got it from is the train note. When I figured out how to do the train note is when I figured out how to do multiple different ducks on a duck call. Really? Yeah. I was just guessing, Bobby. Uh, I'm 100% I'm, I'm serious with you. Like Once I got past the clucking and double clucking and moaning, and then I was – because I was competing in duck calling contests simultaneously too. But when you figure out how to do those quick spits or those quick spit to moans or stuff like that, the stuff you figure out on the duck call right after that, that you can bring that air presentation over to is just amazing for me. Cause you, when you think about it, you do the train, that's the exact same. It's, it's clean air. You're just, you're just not letting that note break over. Whereas it's the same thing with the duck call. It's just clean air and you're just getting a high hand out of it. You're just doing it in shorter spurts. Yeah. Because I don't know. Does Nickham know how to blow a Canada goose call like that? Yeah. He's, he's good. He's yeah. solid on a can of call too. He's so, solid. so these meat callers and the duck are coming over for, because Jody's been blowing, Co Corey's been blowing a, a duck call for a long time, main street and live duck. But I wonder if there's a good study there of saying a goose caller can transition into being a really, really great duck caller easier than a really good duck caller can transition into being a really great Canada goose caller because like Chris Cifrio, he can't pick up a short read call and run it. I would venture to say John Stevens, Jimbo, they might be able to get some clucks and moans. And I'm not saying that I know this for sure, but I would guess that they don't 
have the ability to run it like Sean Stahl or a Kelly Powers or Kyle Jones or Hunter Grounds or any of the great goose callers of our time, right? So would you agree with that, that a a goose callers, and you do you guys, you already made light of it with your little Facebook group or IG group there of duck calling is easy. I wonder if it's, I wonder if more goose callers are transitioning easier into the duck call. It's obvious that they are to me because I don't know if a lot of these great duck callers can run a short read Canada goose call. So there's not many in the contest world nowadays that are just strictly duck callers. I mean, you look at you look at the top five duck last year. Um, you got Corey. He's a duck caller. However, he guides. He runs Canada Goose Call every single day through the whole entire season, and he's proficient at it. You got me, who started off as a Canada Goose caller. Um, I can't remember who coming third. Um, I think it's Seth Seth Fields coming third. He's a fantastic goose caller, too. He just doesn't – I mean, he's great on a spec call, great on a Canada call. But then you look at John Walls, who won it the year before. He's got more top five finishes than I can even count on both my hands in the world in, in a goose calling contest. You know, he just decided, the hell with it, I'm going to go ahead and compete in a live duck and end up winning it. You know, and you got Kyle Jones, who wins all these different duck calling contests. He won the head-to-head a couple years ago. He's got some other great wins, some other um, great meat duck calling wins. So – it's pretty safe to say that if you're a you know great competitive goose caller or even just very proficient on a Canada goose call, then your duck calling is going to be up to par. Also, I love it. I think you're. I think that we're. Um, I'm going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into that because I am the exact same as you to where I'm more proficient now. And obviously, Chris helps me a lot. And John David actually just called me. He came over here the other night and filmed some videos for me before he headed to Texas to hunt geese. Um, when I got proficient on a Canada goose call and started elevating my calling game on that with the trains and the spits and everything, I too started to understand the mouth cavities of the duck and the voices, the different voices. Like we touched on at the beginning of this conversation of getting the high duck or the, the boss in Chris is the best I've ever heard, um, be able to teach that and transition from, from all of his different ducks. If you've heard him talk about that and, and heard him on these podcasts about how to go, he can go so fast from each duck. And if you, if your ear is trained to it and it's harder to hear over audio like this, you know, because of obviously the recording devices or whatever live, you can hear a distinct difference in every freaking duck. And that is, tells me like Chris understands the duck call a hundred percent. He can't run a Canada goose call self-admittingly. So it's a deep dive that I want to do in there because myself, I was a goose caller, way better goose caller than I was a duck caller below average duck caller on stage on main street did good in some meat calling contests, but it was when I started to apply that goose calling and that those mouth cavity and those positions and tongue positions. And then it's all about the confidence of being able to execute the note because a spit note, you're going to stick your call 90% of the time. If you're not in perfect mouth position, it's a very hard note. And then to get the realist realism of a spit note, like Kelly powers does, it is hard to do what Kyle Jones does on his low end, which won him the worlds again last year for a second year in a row. It sucks that he didn't get to defend it for three times in a row this year, but he will be back in 2021. He's got sounds that blow your mind so goosey. And then he transitions that over into a single read duck call of being a very, very ducky meat caller. Now, are you proficient in Main Street too of being able to run that high ball and come down to that spectrum and off of that, you know, that entire scale of the mallard ducks? Yeah. 
and holding that duck all the way to the end and then just having to get your lungs full again and hit that again and come all the way down and then get your lungs full and then and then you got to go into and that's when you start to get that double that double cut feature and then you got to come like that stuff is hard too to be have that kind of control of a call is badass even though it's not as fun to listen to for me anymore as it is a live duck or a canada goose routine are you proficient on the main street side too yeah, so back in I competed when I took I competed from 06 to once say 2010. I got in high school in 2010, took a break. Uh, but uh, from 06 to 2010, that's all we that's all I can remember us having was um, Main Street contests, and it was Main Street, and then you had the Junior Goose or Novice Goose or whatever that I would compete in. Uh, there wasn't really many live duck contest or meat duck contest back then at least that i competed in so yeah i started all through the main street i still can probably take me a couple weeks to get up to par on it in all honesty you know but um i couldn't pick one up right now and do a full routine i can tell you that but we, we mess around with them a little bit you know practicing and if there's a contest that's near i'm like i think i competed in a contest a couple years ago at virginia it was a um main street one i think i come in like third or whatever so yeah, I, I, I can do it. It's not my favorite kind of duck calling, but I can do it. Yeah. What do you run for that? Um, I was running um, a showman competition SS up until probably the last contest I, I, I went to. Honestly, it was still the one I had from back then. And um, but now I, I I don't even have one. I don't even I couldn't even tell you where that call is. To be honest with you. So um, I I would do it again, but don't really have, I can ring the live duck. I can, I can ring the live duck like a main street call, to be honest with you. I told Chris that and he was like, man, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Really? So, yeah. I've been, I've been farting around with that a little bit, you know, and, but it's, you know, uh, he said, try and get straight on main street call if I ever wanted to do that again. So, which I'm not opposed to it. I love competing. I just love being up on stage no matter what it is, but I I think that it's probably it's it's difficult. It's really difficult. The guys that are that are consistently good at it, they have great control of the duck call. They can hunt ducks. They can kill ducks. They can call ducks. They can get down on a duck call. Um, but it's just it's one like like you said. It's one of those deals to where you can you, it'll take you a while to get back at it. But if I'm going to practice something, it's not going to be that highball and all that. It's going to be sounding like like a realistic live duck you know i want to master that it's so awesome to hear somebody like you or chris that actually sounds like ducks my buddy christian curtis like that dude can sound like a lot of mallard ducks just hunting southeast missouri in the boot hill in arkansas and wherever he grew up hunting he just mimics a live duck and it's it's something that's sought after to me like when i was listening to you and and nickham call on stage in, in maryland last year it's just different. You can hear the difference. There's a lot of there's a lot of good callers there. Don't get me wrong, but I could hear it just man, 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 like just great, great sounds. Is it is it to where you have taking it? Would you accredit your field experiences being in the field as something that helped you get more proficient on stage, or vice versa? Uh, for the live and the meat calling aspect, I give every single bit of credit to. 
you know, the wins I've had the past couple of years and the top five finishes straight to Canada. Because guiding up in Canada, you're blowing this thing every single day and um, you're listening to Mallard Ducks and you just, uh, it's, I get more practice up there in 60 days than I could do a whole 365 days here in Maryland. And so, yeah, I give hunting a lot of credit for being proficient on the Mallard Duck hole and all that. I mean, it's, you, you just can't beat the real thing. You know what I mean? And the more you do it, the better it's going to be. And I want to take this time right now at this point in the podcast to, I want to play this video, this tape of your 2019 world live duck routine. Is this the final round? Which round is this? Do you know, is this the Um, championship round? I want to say this is, it might be the second round. Might be the second round. So this is Bobby Heim in the second round of the 2019 World Live Duck Championships out of Easton, Maryland, November of 2019. We're going to listen to his warm up. You're going to hear that high duck in there again, coming off of that chatter and that little nasy. It's so awesome. It's so difficult. The level of difficulty is big with judges too. You can't just go in there and be boring. You got to have a level of difficulty. You got to. There's guys that aren't afraid to you know keep pushing that envelope of what the level of difficulty needs to be and that's going to score you higher but it's also going to put you at risk of losing your ass and getting docked some points and falling way behind too far behind to maybe even make up with how good and stiff the competition is so here's bobby heim 2019 world live duck out of easton maryland let's listen to his routine When you're, when you hear that, Bobby, does it, do you say I nailed it? Do you say, oh, I could have done that better. I did. I missed that. Do you walk off that stage saying, man, I I hope I, I hope the judges didn't catch on to that one. Did you blow clean in every round of the 2019 worlds, especially that routine you just heard? Yeah. So for me, um, if, if I don't mess up and I come off that stage with, you know, good spirits. I feel like I, I can't really tell. I kind of almost, I say I black out when I go up on stage because it's such an adrenaline rush for me. It's unreal. But if I come off stage feeling good, feeling like, okay, everything went how it should have, then I know I blew clean and I, I went through it pretty well. But um, yeah, as far as the live duck, I, I had one little, um, I wouldn't say it's a hiccup. I, I did it on purpose, to be honest with you, but I was hoping the judges were going to catch it as being, you know, on purpose and not mistaking it for being a mess up. And at the very end, I kind of break my feet. I go, I come out at power feed and I kind of break it up a little bit and just kind of try and slow it down for my ending. And I do a real flat duck at the end. And I was kind of worried about that transition from doing that kind of power feed into that kind of broken up little, you know, different feed that sometimes you just hear ducks do. They don't, you know, they just mix your feeds up every once in a while. And, I was worried, but it ended up being okay. So it, it might have cost me some points early on, but after I do it three rounds straight, 
nine times out of ten, the judges are going to pick up on it and say, oh, okay, this is, you know, he's doing it for a reason. It's not just a break in the feed or anything, or he, he didn't stick to call or anything. It's just, you know, he's just changing the feed up. So, so could that have been the difference between you and Nickham? How many points was was separating you and Corey? I think it might have been two or three, I think. <clears throat> right there. You were right there. Yeah. I, I don't feel too bad when it's two or three, but when it's eight or ten, it's like, ooh, I got some work to do. You know, but two or three, you know, it could have gone any, you know, it all it takes is one one or two judges around to have a different, you know, change of heart or something, you know. When you hear that routine, does it put you back in that mindset that you can't wait to get back on stage? Or are you more of this time of year, you got that mentality and focus and mindset of it's time to get after the live thing. I know you're usually in Canada right now. It sucks. We can't go up there with COVID and the borders being closed, but this time of year, does that make you want to get on stage? Does it make you want to get in the blind? Are you disappointed and a little bit sad that you don't get to, because Maryland would be coming up here in the next week or two. The world duck is canceled in Stuttgart. Like, I mean, it's sad, but what, what what's your mental state right now with knowing that you're not going to be on that world stage this year for the live duck? So, yeah, I think I think it would have been this week. I would have been coming home from Canada. I would have been practicing. And I think the um, Waterfowl Festival would have been actually this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I when I come off of Canada and I hit that first week in November, you know, I'm, I'm on my way home. It's a 30 – it was a 33-hour drive or a 33-hour drive home from Saskatchewan. It was – I had my duck call or my goose call in my hand the entire time just – it's going to get on stage in a week, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind over it. And right now I feel like I should be practicing. You know, I feel like I should be going to help Teddy set up some tents and stuff for the contest or, you know, for the festival. And it's, it's, it's freaking weird and it's killing me inside to not be able to go to world Tour. That's honestly my favorite time of year. That, that weekend is a weekend that I look forward to um, more than any other weekend, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I, it sucks to look forward to it so much and have so much taken away from us this year. Um, a lot of times people would look at, oh, you know, Bobby could blow any call that he wants. He's that good, right? You could take uh, a daisy cutter or a short barrel. You could take a Sean man or a zinc call or some, you know, a layers call, you know, the layers won the world. They're one of the best duck calls ever invented by Joe layers and now owned by Brent Crow. Why jargon? I, I, we didn't come to you and say, hey, we heard you're really good. We're going to give you a bunch of free calls and give you money to blow our call. It was almost a surprise to us that we hear this Bobby Heim. We heard rumor that, man, this Bobby Heim guy is blowing or operating or competing with a jargon small talk call. Um, we didn't we never talked to you one time until you had already won contests and been competing on this call. How did you come across the call and why did it go to your go to? So, um, obviously, you know, I'm a fan of, of foul life and all that kind of stuff. I watch that whenever I can. So, uh, my buddy, Alex Chosick out of, um, Ellendale, um, South Dakota, he actually told me, he was like, man, um, Chad and, and, um, a guy named Chris, I think are coming out with a call with a new duck call. And I'm like, Oh no, no shit. You know, it's cool. So he, um, he sent me a couple of videos. I think y'all were at the lodge there in South Dakota or something right when we come back from Canada. And he sent me a video. It was like, man, these are the real deal. I'm like, really? And I've been trying different calls. I've had a layers and I'm not saying these aren't, aren't good calls. I'm, I'm just, for me, it's hard for me to get 
get the right notes out of some of these calls that I'm getting ready to name off. And I just couldn't find the, I had the, I had the recipe. I needed the ingredients. So, and the, and the key ingredient being a, uh, the duck call for me. So um, I ended up ordering one. I, I think my wife ordered me one for my birthday and um, it was a small talk. Got it. I took it out of the box. I was playing with it. I'm like, man, this thing's, you know, it's got a lot of bark and it's got a lot of range in it. And I just kept messing with it more, messing with it more. Well, then contest season come up. And I blew in a couple contests and I wasn't, I'm not one to go out to call maker and, Hey, I'm a, you know, achieved or, or proficient duck caller. And I do, you know, contests. So I just want you to know, I'm blowing your call. Like I was, you know, I just went out and did my thing with the small talk and from worlds. Teddy was like, yeah. Um, I told Chad that, uh, you're blowing a small talk. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He was like, um, so they're probably going to want to meet you. I was like, man, because that puts a lot of pressure on me because then I feel like you all are coming out and they're like, oh, man, you know, this kid's going to be good. And I'm never placed top five in the world in the world I was ducking until last year. And uh, I was like, oh, man, you know, nerve, I'm, my nerves are shot and I'm worried. I'm a, I don't like people sitting there like, oh, man, you know, this kid's blowing our call. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's going to do good for us because then I feel like, you know, I could let somebody down. But it ended up working out last year. So that's why I didn't tell you all. I was kind of nervous to tell you because I didn't want to be some, you know, Billy badass coming up to y'all and saying, Hey, I'm blowing your duck call in the, and you'd be like, all right, cool. And then me getting cut second round, that would have looked like really bad on my part. <laughs> but it's been a pretty relaxed partnership, relationship, friendship to where there's no expectations. You do your thing. Oh, yeah. 100%. And as it matures, there's going to be opportunities. You know, we, maybe there's some design calls maybe there's employment down the road like we like having you on the team but it was really cool how organically it came about with alex who's a wacko snow goose hunter in south dakota like crazy for snow geese and just loves the hunt great little great dude young guy that loves chasing them did does the canada thing every year comes down guides in the states um it's just a really cool story of how that happened to where wow, man, he never placed in the top five. He's on our call. That doesn't mean that it's just because of our call because you got mad skills and so much talent. But is the call different? Is it a better call? Does it give you the ability? Did it help you get in the top five because of your confidence and the sound quality of that call and the versatility of it? Yeah. So for me, you know, I blew layers for like a summer. And for me, for the, for the layers, it was I could get, you know, the real barky, you know, feed chatter and some of them real barky balls hands, but I, I couldn't get the range out of it. That Corey and all them guys, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic call, but I just couldn't get the range out of it. Like some of the other guys do. So I went to an RM, tried to RM, got the range that I wanted, but I, I couldn't get the barky feed or the barky hands out of it that I, I wanted, you know? And so I was kind of like, ah. so I picked up the small talk and it was a perfect medium for me. I could do everything when I had the barky hands, I had the range, I had the, air control i never had you know any kind of bad notes slip out on me or over push the call i mean it was just that's that that's why i chose jargon because it's you know it, it, it had everything i needed on there you know and now that you've placed second in the worlds by barely a couple points with the small talk now we come out with some j frame series calls the chit chat the paradox and the one that you're using right now the live duck does this change your mentality for your on-stage presence, if you were going into Easton right now, as you would be coming back from Canada and getting ready for the Worlds, what call do you have on stage this year? Um, probably for me, uh, I, I did. I, I used a lot of duck in Virginia. 
um, because it was a uh, outside contest. Uh, I brought both the small talk and a live duck with me, but the judges were like right there. And I've seen it before where, you know, the judges are real super close to the stage and you can actually blow them out of, you know, their tents or whatever they're set up in to score. So for me, I picked up the live duck because it's a little bit quieter. It's got the, I can do the same, just about the same notes on it and everything. But um, it was, that's why I picked up live duck. But for the world stage, I think I'm picking up small talk just because it's so nerve wracking. And I was explaining to Chris on the phone a couple weeks ago that for me to small talk, I can lean on that as hard as I want and not mess up. And that's huge in a big contest like that for me to be able to lean on it and not have any mistakes and all that kind of stuff. Whereas live duck, a little bit quieter, you know, um, in a smaller contest or something where I, where I can control my nerves, you know, I would use that. Um, you know, I, I can get a little bit more range out of the um, live duck as opposed to the small talk too, just with some of the hiccups and stuff that I do with them. But it's, um, yeah, for, for, for worlds, I'd be picking up a small talk because I can lean on it. And I, I know that it's going to be really hard for me to mess up on it because of how um, forgiving it is. So in Canada, when you're up there guiding, are you proficiently over pea fields mainly? Are you mainly uh, on dry land with the Canada goose spread, maybe some specks, some white in there a little bit, and the mallards just come in, but you, you're you calling all day to you know get them to light right in the kill hole. You're getting tighter. The clients want them up close. They want that Canadian experience on the prairies of Saskatchewan. Or do you get over water once in a while? Because a lot of Canadian outfitters don't hunt water. They roost it. They loaf it. Um, I love hunting water in Canada, but a lot, not a lot of people do it, especially outfitters. Was it mainly pea fields or dry land? Yes. Um, yeah, I'll be going up there for a few years now. And the first two years, it was straight dry land. I don't think I hunted a slough once. But last year, it was really uh, dry up there. And there was a couple – it was hard. It was, it, we also had a big warm snap. So we had the ducks jumping from slough to slough early. So we would hunt, uh, we hunt a lot more sloughs last year than we normally do, but nine times out of 10, it's a pea field or a wheat field or, you know, um, but last year was definitely a few more sloughs than normal, but I, I, I liked it. I think the dog liked it. I liked it. My dog liked something every water and the clients thought it was something different and cooler too. You know, we had a bunch of repeat clients. We would hunt these sloughs and, they liked it. They said it was something different. It was nice seeing a splash, you know, all that kind of stuff when the duck went down, all that, you know, so. So knowing that you're in, in dry fields, sometimes sloughs, marshes, cattle ponds, embankments up there in Canada and during the regular season, windy days, steel days, overcast days, low ceiling days, sunny days, blue sky days that I love to hunt mallards on. Got to have sunshine, Bobby. Got to have the sunshine what's on your lanyard and what are you going to you got a couple different jargons on there do you have another manufacturer's call on your lanyard in a hunting situation doesn't matter if you do i don't care one way or the other but what are you hunting with mainly um i've got the i would have the small talk and probably live duck live duck would be overcast no wind you know something a little bit softer maybe in a smaller pothole where i'm only running running a dozen decoys and it's just a small loaf pond you know and you don't want to get too loud or blow them out of a little loaf pond or something i'd be using a live duck it's a big wide open field, um, you know, pretty decent wind, you know, clear skies. You're trying to break maybe a few high ducks that are coming from a long ways and trying to get their attention. That's that's when I break out the small talk and whale on it pretty good. So is it only going to be jargon on Bobby Himes' lanyard in a hunting scenario as well? Yeah. Yep. 
Wow, that, that's that's an honor for us to hear and for Chris to hear something like that, knowing that one of the best meat duck callers in the world is blowing, uh, you know, is, is using, I hate saying blowing. I don't, I really don't think you blow a duck call. Do you, Bobby? No, I'd, I'd say you more operate it. One of the things I did yesterday in this instructional video, and we've talked about it here, is I, I take a little, very light piece of Kleenex, just regular tissue. I pull it out of the box and I set it on the table. And then I have the camera on there and I show that now, and I say, I'm going to blow this piece of Kleenex across this table like I'm blowing out a birthday candle. Now, my second piece of tissue, I'm going to present my air to this piece of Kleenex tissue like I would into a single read duck call. The first one, when I blow, it shoots across the table like a missile, just puffy cheeks, and it just flies out, like goes up in the air, then lands on the floor. Put the second piece of tissue down there, Bobby. I can feel the air on my hand. And it just flutters. It might move a tiny centimeter, a min- just tiny bit, but it flutters up in the air and then it drops back down. The air's there. The presentation's there. But that Kleenex isn't flying across the table like it does with my birthday candle blow. So that's a way that I always talk about and with instruction is that right is it, when you when you're hitting the duck call right, you're not blowing air into it. Because if you're blowing air, it's like that piece of tissue or that birthday candle going out. <laughs> If I have a birthday candle lit in front of me and I hit it with a duck call air of a single read duck call, it's not going to go out all the time. It's barely going to go out if it does. And that's what you should tell people, not you, but that's what people need to think about is stuff like that is like, you don't pick it up and just blow into it. So everything that we've discussed today is air presentation. The, 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 the diaphragm in your stomach, your lungs, that air gain and momentum, it get into your throat where it meets a muscle called the larynx. The larynx is that muscle that you steam up your window in Maryland on a December Christmas day to write your name in it when you're on your way to your grandpa's house to open up presents and have some eggnog. Hopefully he didn't spike it before Bobby gets there as a young man. And then it might be how you clean off your sunglasses when a dog comes back and shakes on you with a big green head in his mouth and it goes all over your sunglasses. You got to take them off. <laughs> And then you wipe them off with your rag, right? Microfiber rag, hopefully, Bobby Heim, so you don't scratch it with your with your mudded up sweatshirt. Um, I take a lot of crap, Bobby, because I wear a black hoodie a lot of the times when I hunt. And people are like, oh, Belding's the black hoodie guy. No, I just wear what I want. Comfortable. If I'm hidden, I know how to hide. But you wear a black hoodie, too, when you hunt. I've seen pictures of it. There, you don't, So... You know what I'm saying? That air presentation that it gets to that throat, it's got, meets that larynx. Now it gets into the back of the throat, back of the mouth from the throat. Now it goes up that tongue and down the tongue, which is shaped with the, you know, a lot of the times we teach that the, 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 uh, the tip of your tongue is anchored down behind your bottom teeth where your gums meet your tooth line on your bottom row of teeth on the back of it. And then you kind of press it up like you have a gumball underneath it. And the, the, the roof of your mouth is like this. The shape of your tongue is kind of in that same position. The air comes up the throat and gets right in between your tongue and the roof of your mouth. And now that's where air presentation, tongue control, mouth cavity, fatty tissues, the call, how that calls design, the tone board, the mylar read, the insert, the diameter, the circumference, all of the perfection and the tolerances and the precision that comes into the design of a jargon call. Then your on-call hand, which is applying that back pressure. When the air gets there and it's you get it right in your stomach and it's that, that pump of your diaphragm and your lungs gaining momentum and power and then into your larynx, when it gets to that mouth part in the back of your throat right there, back of your mouth coming out of your throat, that's where most of the mistakes are made. That's where you're going to start getting 
you know, sticks and you're going to start getting hollow air and you're going to puff your cheeks a little bit too much and you're going to drop your tongue too much. You're going to lift the tip of your tongue off of that anchor that we talked about. You know what I mean? There's so much that goes in. So when you listen to Bobby Heim on stage, you're like, damn, he makes it sound easy, but it's not freaking easy. It's so hard to master a duck call. So man, you're kicking ass with it, bro. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Did all that sound, did all that make sense? What I just said with where the air comes from and what we do with it. 100% and I can relate because it took me my, my biggest fault in duck calling up until the last couple of years was my feed chuckle like I said I, I had the machine gun feed and that's all I could do and and for me I'm not I, I'm 100% there with you I don't blow into the call and really a feed chuckle or anything I just say tick tick and just that air coming out from saying that is making that read you know, move or vibrate and it's bringing that sound out of that call. And you're 100% right. You are not actually blowing a duck call. You're more, you know, operating it. And Have you done the Kleenex drill? Have you heard that drill before? No, I haven't. I've never heard of that before. Try it and see what you come up with on a table today. It's just, it'll just hover there. It won't blow across the table, but you put your hand in front of your mouth. You feel the air. It doesn't take much. The vibration of your vocal cords and that air popping from your mouth is so that's another great point. And we'll continue this on part two with Bobby Heim down the road sometime is you don't need to hammer that call all the time. These calls are built for volume. Like you said, the live duck is going to be your softer call. That's why you chose to blow it. Even though it was an outdoor contest, the judges were right there. You didn't want to overdo it. You didn't want to blow them out of there to where they're like, good God, they turn off their hearing senses right when you start your routine because it's just hammering at them, right? So that's that's the difference in the circumference of that tone board and that insert that goes into it and all of those different measurements and, and, and tolerances that we're talking about. You're going to get different sounds, different volume levels different ducks out of the different models of calls. So people say, why do you have so many calls around your lander? Well, I really have a cu- one or two Canada goose call short reads. I might have a spec call on there if I'm in a specky place like Arkansas, Louisiana, Canada once in a while, and especially California. But then I have a couple different duck calls on there with different measurements and tolerances and constrictions so I can get different ducks. And if it happens, if the sun goes away and the ceiling, a storm comes in, I'm going to go to this. If the wind comes up and I'm going to go to this. So there, think about it. It's the best part about duck hunting is putting all of those pieces together, right? Yep. 100%. It's just like having a tackle box for fishing. You're not going to just have one bait in your tackle box. You know, what if it's sunny or cloudy? You know, you need a, you need a brighter bait. The water is darker. You know I mean? It's just, that's exactly how my lanyard is. I want something for every situation. I got a loud Canada call, uh, kind of more mellow Canada call. I got the live duck. I got the small talk that I can absolutely wail on, you know, and I even got a whistle, uh, you know, Drake whistle in there for, you know, in case there's any widgeon or pintails or sometimes around here, the mallards are kind of flighty and you might just have to give them a drake whistle for them to come in. So I, I like having a lot of tools in my toolbox. I couldn't have said it better. The duck hunter's tackle box. That's the baddest ass duck caller on the planet right now. In our opinion, he's working a small talk and a new live duck available right now at jargongamecalls.com. Bobby, thank you very much for being on the show. Let's schedule part two right away and get more in depth about competition calling, hunting calling, and the overall lifestyle that encompasses the American duck and goose hunter. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Thank you like, so much for having me. Appreciate man, I love you being on the team. I appreciate you being here. We're going to leave this podcast instead of playing our normal song here, the Foul Life podcast, which is 2 a.m. Logic, My Foul Life. You like that song, Bobby? I love it. I, I, I listen to your podcast all the time, and that's, a, that's, that's pretty – I like listening to that going I, out of it. I wrote that song. 
Did you really? I'm, yeah. I know you've written a couple songs. You're 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 really talented. I mean, I could never sit that sit down and write a song. Like I just don't have the brain capacity for it. But you're pretty talented to be able to sit down and do all that kind of stuff. I wish I was more like Brent Cobb or Leith Lofton or Adam Hood that I could write real country songs. But I wrote that on a plane ride from Edmonton, Alberta to Denver, Colorado after I gave a seminar in front of like 600 people one day. Um, with wild TV. I wrote, I, I had all this adrenaline and all these thoughts in my life. And it was early. I mean, it songs like 10 years old and, but uh, it still gets downloaded a lot. And people like, you'll send screenshots of their stereo going out to the boat blind, you know, going out to the, to, to, you know, meeting at the boat, Mm-hmm. The, the launch area or going out to their blind they're playing that song in the morning or setting up their decoy spread we'll get video clips of it in alberta or saskatchewan or north dakota this time of year so people still love listening to it but instead of going out with my foul life by 2 a.m logic today this is going to be another meat calling routine by bobby heim on the live duck you've already heard the one i played before on the small talk from the 2019 world championship live duck in east of maryland this we're going to leave you with a routine is the live duck a 60 second or is it uh, 90 yeah 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 live ducks 60 or it, i think the video is actually 45 seconds what little bit they got but it, it was a 60 second yeah we're going to leave you with the Bobby Heim live duck routine on the live duck. That's the name of our call live duck by jargon. Chris Cifrio named that call. We love it. It's available right now. Like I said, at jargongamecalls.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at jargon game calls. Send us a DM. Let us know what you want. We know that we're so, well, I mean, we are so humble, Bobby, by the, the response to jargon and how many calls people are buying in our dealer base and what Max Prairie Wings and Paducah Shooter and, and Final Flight and so many dealers across the country are, are catching on. Um, I appreciate your support, buddy. Uh, let's get scheduled two, uh, episode two scheduled. Again, this is Bobby Heim on the Live Duck, another routine. You guys are going to enjoy this. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast.